How will Mikhail Gorbachev be remembered? The late Soviet leader is seen as someone who changed the world in the 20th century. But how has that change shaped the world? I'm Hashim Ahlbara and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests in Moscow, Pavel Felgenhauer, a defense and military analyst, Maria Lipman, Russian editor and political analyst based in Moscow until the Russian invasion of Ukraine. She's now in Munich, Germany. And in Washington, D.C., Donald Jensen is the director of Russia and strategic stability at the U.S. Institute of Peace and former U.S. diplomat in Moscow. Welcome to the program. Pavel, quite interesting the way people are divided over the legacy of Gorbachev. Now, we do understand that President Putin won't be attending the funeral. There will be no uh, official state funeral. Is this because of the prevailing sentiment in the establishment and among many Russians that this is someone who was very naive in dealing with the West? Oh, Gorbachev was not naive. I mean, I knew the man. I, we had uh, quite a number of meetings and discussed different things. He was anything but naive. Of course, he maybe his education was a bit, you know, kind of party style going through the ranks of the party. Uh, but still, he was a very shrewd and very effective uh, political operator, which allowed him to get to the tops of the Russian-Soviet uh, leadership. And uh, he was not naive. He had ideas. He believed in them. And that was not only his ideas. That was a, a group of uh, uh, party top officials who wanted to believe that they could change the Soviet system much to the better, that, too, uh, that it was too rigid, that it was running the country into the ground, and that a more enlightened approach would give the new impetus to the Soviet system, uh, which was wrong because, as mm -hmm. it's well known, a bad regime because it gets itself in a very dangerous situation and tries to become better. Bad regimes should stay bad, like, you know, North Korea, and then they can stay for a long time. And mm -hmm. Gorbachev believed he could be better, but that didn't work. Maria, why, on the other hand, Gorbachev remained... A, a champion of freedom, particularly for the liberal Russians? Well, he uh, remains a champion of freedom, but for a minority. Uh, in December last year, a poll asked Russians about uh, most important figures of the Soviet time. And Gorbachev, in that poll, led the list of figures seen negatively by a majority of Russians. He is seen as a person who presided over the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, who put an end to what, in retrospect, many people see as stability of the Soviet Union. He is held responsible for all that. Uh, and uh, this feeling uh, has remained, uh, I think, steady throughout the, uh, uh, the years since the collapse of the Soviet Union. He's, he may be seen as a hero and as a proponent of freedom in Eastern Europe, where he is, uh, his uh, contribution is appreciated, or in Germany, especially in Germany, uh, because he facilitated, of course, the reunification, but not in his own country. Donald, uh... George Kennan once said that Gorbachev was a miracle. Why is it that in the West he's a hero 
in Russia. He's a villain. Well, I, I very much agree with what Pavel and Masha just said. Uh, he did contribute to the end of the Cold War. He he uh, did it peacefully. He showed the value of personal diplomacy, in particular with uh, with Prime Minister Thatcher and President Reagan. But as uh, my two colleagues just said, he he unleashed forces, and I agree, he's not naive. Was not naive. He unleashed forces by these, let's say middle range reforms that that we're dealing with even even today and uh, 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 the paradox of how he's perceived in east and west is at first puzzling but it ends up really being um, part of the same same change same transformation in european security that he helped lead and he just deserves credit for that uh, on the other hand i think that we have to be very careful not to lionize him. He was a communist. He was a reformed communist or whatever you want to call it. But uh, uh, we have to be uh, careful to go back to the era. And it coincided almost exactly with the beginning of my foreign service career. So I remember it very clearly that, that he was not a Democrat, as people often said, even this week, he was not a Democrat. He uh, was a believer in a better Soviet Union, as Pavel and Masha said. And that's something that mm -hmm. for us in the West at the time was very difficult to understand. Pavel, could you explain to us the, the very nature of the relationship between Putin and Gorbachev? Because somehow you get a sense that Putin was always very cautious in uh, choosing the right words to describe or qualify Gorbachev and Gorbachev at the same time was very cautious in his criticism addressed at uh, Putin. Uh, well, Gorbachev apparently tried to kind of build the relationships with um, uh, uh, Putin, but that was not very successful. And Putin didn't want him anywhere close or in any position of influence of any sorts. Um, Putin owes his power to. Boris Yeltsin, who picked uh, him together with his entourage as a successor. And Putin is basically continuing the Yeltsin uh, Russia as it was built under Yeltsin, and then it kind of uh, came in Putin. Gorbachev was a sworn enemies they were with uh, Yeltsin, and Putin to some extent uh, inherited that. And also right now, when Gorbachev uh, passed, uh, Putin is fighting a, a savage war in Ukraine, actually to remake what uh, it's seen as Gorbachev made. Gorbachev mm -hmm. presided over the collapse of the Soviet Union. Putin is trying to build it back by uh, blood and steel. Uh, so it's not that uh, there's nothing strange that uh, the, the President Kremlin and Gorbachev had lukewarm relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, he was not denounced officially by the Kremlin, though pro-Kremlin forces did denounce him as a traitor and so on. Uh, but he's also no hero, and he's not unlike Yeltsin, who had, of course, uh, a state uh, very much uh, funeral. Uh, Gorbachev would be a much more private affair. Uh, again, maybe his family also didn't want it to be a state fun a funeral too. That's not clear right now. Okay. Maria, the, the, the 2021 poll that you spoke about, which 
qualified Gorbachev as the worst political leader in Russia in the 20th century. Is it mainly because of the perception that the, uh, uh, his policies introduced the collapse of the Soviet Union, which was described by Putin as the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the century, or just because people think that he failed in delivering on political and economic reforms? Well, in retrospect, uh, the Soviet time, uh, and especially the late Soviet decades, are seen by the Russian people, not overwhelmingly, but uh, by a majority, as a good time. Uh, as uh, the time when the state took care of the people, when the relations between among people uh, was kind and more humane than today, when people thought less about money, uh, and of course when things were stable and people could rely on uh, the habitual safety net. And Gorbachev is blamed for actually undermining all that. Uh, I would uh, I would add uh, just a couple of words to what Pavel said uh, about Gorbachev and, and, and Putin. To Putin, uh, Gorbachev is almost a traitor uh, because he gave up on the gains, territorial and political, uh, that uh, were made by his predecessors by uh, giving in and giving up uh, control over Eastern Europe and then presiding over the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, so, uh, but that's Putin. To, to people, I think it's more about uh, how he put an end uh, to that period that is seen today almost as a golden era in uh, the Soviet history. Donald, the fact that he managed, along with uh, Ronald Reagan, to scrap the entire class of nuclear weapons in Eastern Europe, could that be seen as his biggest political contribution? Well, I might have once said that, as you know, that uh, I was an inspector on the treaty myself, personally, but, but the treaty is no longer in existence. So mm -hmm. it was a, a major contribution uh, at the time that lasted for several decades. Uh, there were innovations in that treaty, no, most notably on-site inspections, but that now is under a cloud, given the, uh, the, uh, the drift and dis the increase in distrust between the two countries and other geopolitical factors, such as the rise of China, which have made that kind of arms control uh, somewhat obsolete. Mm -hmm. Pavel, was Gorbachev in a way or another a victim? Because the hardline communists, starting from the late 80s, were colluding, working hard to try to discredit him because they did understand that if he stood in, stayed in power, they would lose all the privileges they have been having for quite some time. Well, it was not really that, that straightforward. When um, Reagan and Gorbachev began to end the kind of uh, worst part of the Cold War and agree on nuclear disarmament treaties, uh, Gorbachev had full support of the Russian military, Soviet military, and uh, most of the ruling communist elite. They were still so frightened by the American new uh, land-based cruise missiles, uh, Tomahawks, and by the Pershing twos. Uh, they were so afraid that they would have, won't have enough time to reach their bunkers if the Americans suddenly attack. And they almost came to exchange of nuclear blows in 83 <coughs> during able Archer exercises. So uh, when... Uh, 
Reagan put forward the zero option, that was seized in Moscow. And that was not just Gorbachev single-handedly. Mm -hmm. It was the Russian general, Soviet general staff, everyone was behind it. And when he began this, uh, his uh, perestroika and glasnost, actually, he also began uskarenia, which means mm -hmm. swiftness. That was the, and that was increasing dramatically the production of weapons and procurement of weapons. So he was playing on all the fields, and he had a lot of support. The real, uh, the, but the system began to disintegrate economically because also the price of oil collapsed. And uh, then this, uh, he uh, turned out to be isolated in the end when uh, different parts of the Russian Soviet elite decided that without the Soviet Union, they'll be better off, that they can privatize mm -hmm. a publicly owned uh, factories and uh, oil fields, and that they'll be much better. So even in the Communist Party, I mean, it disintegrated, had almost 20 million members. It disintegrated with a whimper because not, no one was really much about ideology. It was about dealing up the Soviet pie. Okay. Maria, so this is someone who did understand that the political and economic structure of the Soviet Union could not stand any longer and that it was about time for change. What happened later is what people are still debating. Did he lack the courage to implement the reforms or ultimately he was isolated, unable to undo on his own an empire of its own? Well, I would say uh, uh, Gorbachev uh, can be celebrated for good intentions and uh, for his uh, belief in freedom and for the fact that uh, he actually uh, 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 got away from centuries-long tradition of the overwhelming control of the state. But he had wrong ideas about so many things, including the economy. Uh, he thought that somehow Soviet socialist economy could be preserved but reformed. Wrong. Um, he, uh, he totally underestimated the uh, nationalist drive. Uh, he underestimated, I think, many things about foreign policy as well, not realizing that Soviet retreat would, meet, uh, would mean uh, the advance of the West and NATO. Uh, but economically, it was something that was felt immediately because people were, uh, people in the Soviet Union, as Pavel said, uh, were overwhelmingly supportive to begin with mm -hmm. of what Gorbachev was saying. But when the reforms began and things were falling apart, so many people grew disappointed. And I think later on, they resented themselves for being so naive and believing that uh, change was possible if only they trusted their new leader. But instead of resenting themselves, they, uh, I think, now have very negative feelings toward Gorbachev. Donald, so this is someone who wanted to introduce reforms, but at the same time he wanted, he was adamant about the need to send tanks to the Baltic states and to Azerbaijan to clamp down on the protesters. Uh, was it just because we failed to understand the very nature of, uh, or the very character of uh, Gorbachev? I think that uh, Masha and, and Pavel are, are very correct. It, it was... Uh, uh, he cracked down in the Baltic, as you just said. He uh, tried to deal with the forces he unleashed himself 
which led to Boris Yeltsin, ultimately to Vladimir Putin, to send this, this Russian nationalism, which had been suppressed by the, uh, the Soviet regime. And, and we have to keep that whole complex picture in mind as well. He could not any longer maneuver once Yeltsin won, won the leadership, the support of most of the Russian population. But I wanted to add one more point, which we haven't mm -hmm. talked about, which is to say that I think the West fundamentally misunderstood what was going on at the time, just as we misunderstood what was going on in 91, seeing it primarily as a democratic breakthrough uh, against the Soviet regime. It was not. It was a much more complicated phenomenon than that. And uh, as Pavel just said, the issue of Communist Party money, Soviet money, which yeah. was sloshing around the system in the mid-80s, in the late 80s, and ultimately which gave uh, rise to the oligarchs and all many of the other corrupt unpleasantness uh, we see now. Corrupt by comparison, even with the corrupt past, the U.S. and the West had really trouble understanding this. And thus, I think we misunderstood Gorbachev and what was happening, just as we misunderstood okay. the Yeltsin apparent Trump in 91. I have a few other angles to cover with you. Uh, Pavel, Gorbachev said it was about time to pull out from Afghanistan, and many thought this was going to reshape foreign policy. Now Putin is launching a war in the Ukraine, and many are saying this is just exactly what Gorbachev feared, which was an expansionist policy that would threaten the very stability of the international order. Well, I would say when the Russian-Afghan, uh, almost a decade of war began, uh, we were actually lucky because instead of going to war with NATO and Europe, we went into Afghanistan, uh, got our nose uh, kind of uh, uh, red and ble ble bleeding and then went out and it was became clear that we're not ready for a big war. Uh, this time again, uh, for more than 10 years, uh, Russia was building up its armed forces for a big war in Europe. Then they sent them into Ukraine, believing that they'll overrun it very swiftly. And that's what the Pentagon and many in the West believed, too. Uh, but that didn't happen. Or again, we're lucky because we're mm -hmm. not not—we're fighting a proxy war as the one in Afghanistan, a proxy war in Ukraine instead of fighting a direct big uh, war in Europe. Okay. an all-European war. Maria. So we're lucky, and hopefully that's going to end up like the Afghan-Russian adventure by something less than a total Holocaust. Maria, are there any Russians who would tell you that, you know what, but ultimately, had we not had someone like... Uh, like uh, had we not had someone like Gorbachev, there was absolutely no way we would be talking about political parties and freedom of expression in a place like Russia? Well, this is certainly true. Uh, uh, Gorbachev indeed believed in freedom uh, and indeed believed in election, even though it was not an entirely democratic election, those that he presided over. Mm -hmm. uh, he never, ever uh, wanted to be elected himself in a popular vote. Uh, but uh, that lasted not for a long time. And this raises the issue of whether uh, indeed Gorbachev was an anomaly, uh, because we are now back to the centuries-long Russian political tradition of mm -hmm. the overwhelming centralized control. Okay. Donald, whether or not this uh, Gorbachev was really adamant about the need to reform the Soviet Union or to dismantle it, how do you see his legacy in the future? Will it live on, or are we turning the chapter of the man and his legacy at the same time? 
Well, I, I will give you a, an answer absolutely opposite to what I would have answered five uh, years ago, or maybe even on February 23rd. I think that his legacy will fade, just like the, the memory of the coup and its collapse faded with many Russians because uh, what came afterward was in many ways much more unpleasant than what they saw under even Brezhnev. And so I think it will fade, but I think in the West, he will be, continue to be revered as a man who did, did advance peace and the security of Europe, such as it was at least until February 23rd. Thank you, thank you. Donald Jensen, Pavel Felgenhauer, Maria Lippmann, I really appreciate your insight, thank you. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohammed Al Aishi, Nehad Al Abidi, Isaba Umulto, and Paul Taylor. Studio Sound was Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Andre Ustuzian, Lynn Gwynn, and Jody Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Friday. <laughs>